what conditions stipulations magic tricks or manipulations interjecting conversation so I've been I've Hello, my lovely lawyer friends. Hi. Um, Hi. I've been re, I've been decorating my room. Uh-huh. I've just oh, I've seen plans. some updates on your Instablam, all those good things. <laughs> yeah, Lots your Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah, I great. my my roommate got a free like a free giant. It's like the it's the, like the length of my arms. And so I've just been staring at this Hieronymus Bosch oh, there's Garden so many- of Earthly Delights poster. I did not realize. I, I love this painting. I've, yeah. I've, you know, obviously, but just like staring at it for that long. Oh, there's always something new that you see. It's just a plethora of just absurd imagery. And, and there's so much butt stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize how much butt stuff there was in hell, and I think in purgatory too. I think most of the gems that I'm familiar. So my mom got me these little figurines. We found these. Oh yeah, yeah in your apartment. You the have the figurines of various Bosch monsters, and so I have one that is a big weird bird creature in what looks like a dunce cap, sitting on a high chair, eating a naked man, and all you see is his butt. And legs, mm-hmm. and my cat knocked it over, and the butt and legs fell off, and that's happened like three times. He's and free. I the keep... legs are free. Yeah, it gets like less and less human proportions the more times I try to sand it down and glue the butt back <laughs> on. <laughs> but the cat that almost works. Wants with the to, yeah, yeah, the cat just wants to free the man from the bird guy. It's trying to help. Yeah, you know, it it really is. He must have been so high when he painted that. Just... Well, the thing, it's not to get like too nerdy about it, but kinda. That you think of how primitive other painters in that era were. Yeah. And it's it's modern level surreal and creepy. It's I mean, it's really cool how advanced. I think that's kind us. of why it's that's kind of why it's made a resurgence in, in popularity yeah. in the last couple of years. Because people are just like this. Because it is does so seem contemporary. Yeah. yeah. It's very uh It's kinda whimsical too and, though. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that butts are used as torture techniques, it's funny also there's just in the front of the painting there's just this guy pulling flowers out of another guy's butt and i'm just like i don't like, know what's cl- happening but that's great that's that's feels like yellow submarine yes but it's really yeah so anyway so anyway. that's that's <laughs> in my life lots two weeks just staring at hieronymus bosch that's good for the dreams uh yeah it's been really great for my mental health um mm-hmm. speaking of mental health mm. i i was listening to our last episode and i realized how uh, like extremely lethargic, I, I sounded and um. Oh yeah, you yeah. seem a little sad. Yeah, just just talking about it. hashtag talking about it. Uh, just going through some like very mild depression right now. Yeah. But you know what? That's life. It's great to be going through that as fall and winter are about to start. Cause oh boy. Yeah, it's just getting <laughs> me in the mood. Gonna my winter mood. My potentially get a lot worse. Here we go. Just I'm kidding. You're pulling gonna be great. the pulling the giant scarves out and snuggle. Great. No, we're, we're we're doing great now, folks. It's we a brighter have, day. It is actually. Fla- it actually is very nice. It's today. been a very beautiful day. It's it's kind of getting a little more folly. It was like ninety degrees last week. Global warming is the same as weather, and so we're in it. <laughs> Could you really use some of that global warming? Oh jeez, we got we got oodles. It. We'll trade it. <laughs> Give us some <laughs> of your snow. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So today we got a bit of a grab bag topic-wise. Um, we've done some really thematic ones last couple weeks, so today we're going to jump around with generic sociopolitical human interest issues. We're going to talk about some bad takes on those issues. Bad takes um, from internet men. 
And then before all that, we're going to give the requisite nod to the impeachment inquiry. Inquiry. Have you noticed that Pelosi said inquiry in her announcement? And now it's almost like everybody implicitly is questioning whether you have to say inquiry in reference to impeachment. Because it's like everybody people... said inquiry now. <laughs> it's it's Mueller versus Mueller hell all over again. Oh, Some God. Be like, Mueller. Which, Mueller like... is spelled like Mueller. I don't know what is up with it. Was that just like a cult mindset? I don't know. Half the time, I wonder if people even ask. Like with Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine. Like, has anybody just asked Mueller? Has anyone asked Ghislaine, Ghislaine? Well, I think the pronunciation of her name is probably the least of Ghislaine Maxwell's problems so right now. So she should just answer it. Let's just clear it up. Like, <laughs> someone, someone ask her while she's in hiding. Um, with Mueller, I just say Mueller because I... Th- it's Mueller. I think it's I Mueller. think it's Mueller. Yeah, I just say that because I feel dumb saying Mueller. I mean, that's the difference. Like, M and U and E, that should be Mueller. But then you never like know Mueller. how somebody... Yeah, exactly. You never know how somebody, like, anglicized their name or yeah. wh- whose parents said what. But for the impeachment inquiry, yes, inquiry and inquiry both correct. It's probably one of those alternate pronunciation things Mm. in the dictionary, but it's almost like every reporter and every politician heard that initial announcement, and they're like, oh, it must be that when it's um, in reference to impeachment, you have to say inquiry. I've been saying inquiry, and that's, I'm gonna stick with it. (laughs) I don't even think. Making it, I'm just making it happen. That's third wave. By the way, this is extremely persuasive. I'm Brooke Rogers. I forgot, I'm Mackenzie Brennan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah. Even when we introduce ourselves six minutes into the show. Yeah, you might have forgotten. We let it go that long. In our updates and corrections section, just a couple things from last week. Realize that we never defined a PAC, which... A P-A-C? Yes. All caps? Political Action Committee. Would you mind, Mackenzie, explaining what a PAC is for <laughs> our audience? I never ask. Well, actually, it is kind of hard to understand. So it's basically an organization whose purpose is to collect and distribute money from corporations to parties or politicians or causes that are expressly political. So they're like a middleman versus the corporation donating directly to candidates or causes, which would be much more limited by campaign finance laws. Mm -hmm. There are limits on contributions. You have to disclose who's giving how much when it's directly to, whereas with a PAC as a middleman, you can essentially both have somebody else doing all your dirty work if you're the politician, pulling in all the money, and fewer limits and disclosure laws on what kind of money is coming in and what's going where. So Mm -hmm. it really benefits both sides. It also really favors incumbents and establishment politicians. Like if you're the first time running for an office, it's almost impossible to get PAC money. So it really Mm, I wonder why that is. (laughs) Yeah, like legacy people and burn it down. Yeah. Burn it down. So there's there's a PAC. That's what a PAC is. All right. Well, so are, is, are you saying that's a, a bad thing? Uh, listen, they're not going to create packs. Don't be ridiculous. A pack is way it's too, hard. too difficult. Why so, would anyone, why would anyone being do stupid. that? Nobody would make a pack. Uh, All right. So oh. do we have any other corrections from last week? Yeah. Well, mostly just a clarification. Our conversation about my fear that... The thing that happened in 2016 in the general election will happen again was that it's going to happen in the primary this time because mm. I said this eventually, but last time it was that there were too many Bernie supporters who didn't jump on the Clinton train because he didn't win the primary, but it affected the general election. I'm afraid that it's going to end up being in the primary this time. Biden is the front runner. Liz is the second. 
but not enough Bernie people are going to hop onto the Liz train to make sure that she wins the primary because they're just going to stick with Bernie. And then it'll ruin Liz's chance of winning, and then it'll be Biden, and then nobody will be enthused in the general election. So keep that in mind, Bernie people. Think about what horse to bet on Mm. in a way that has some longevity. Yeah. What I will say is if it's neck and neck, vote your conscience. I don't want to tell anyone that they should vote for one person over the other. Nor do I, and I'm not saying don't because I take it as I understand why people like Bernie. I do. I I have a lot of friends who really are inspired by his message. I understand why people have critiques of him as well, and I think Liz and Bernie have many of the same policies. And yeah, but there are people who prefer one over the other and that's perfectly fine if they're neck and neck and you want to go with bernie by all means follow your heart there's a huge difference maybe consider voting for whoever bernie is third by a long shot then i think it's worth and not not to dictate how people conduct themselves and how people vote certainly but do consider you know whether you are doing something that will be constructive in the general and vice versa if bernie pulls ahead and liz falls absolutely so we just want to clarify that but also Warren beat Biden by two points in a recent poll. I think it was Quinnipiac, but I could be wrong. She was two points ahead of Biden, which is insane. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just more media attention. I don't know if it's because she's just working her butt off. It makes the impeachment story all the more funny because, you know, Trump was really betting the farm on Biden Biden. being his opponent. And it will be very, Well, and that could be part of the reason why. This story could be affecting Biden, which honestly... Who knows? I feel no need to protect Biden from anything. Hunter, Nor do that, I. Hunter Biden's dealing with Ukraine were shady. I don't know that there. We might be getting ahead of ourselves, but I think first of all, for anybody to be saying that in the Trump administration or the Republican Party at this point is really just absurdly hypocritical. And beyond that, because they're not comparable. But if we're saying that it's not okay for somebody's child to be having business dealings with another country or to be making large amounts of money. I mean, I also hate that when Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner Yeah, but I think theirs is exponentially more upsetting. I think that it might be worth being more aware of the appearance of something like that. But that said, there is no credible evidence saying that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden were involved in anything untoward except for the fact that he worked for Mm -hmm. a company that was based in Ukraine. I mean, this investigation of the prosecutor in question, which is apparently the corruption concern, it did not initiate with Biden himself. It first came from the Ukrainian deputy prosecutor. Right. Then it came from the U.S. Embassy after having been told by the deputy Mm -hmm. prosecutor. And then eventually Biden was pushing for what a lot of people were pushing for, which ironically was that this prosecutor was not doing enough to deal with corruption. Yeah. He wasn't prosecuting corrupt business dealings. So if anything, the effort would have put Biden More scrutiny in a, yeah, in a, a heavily yeah. monitored point. So since this is a good segue into hey. uh, the fact that Nancy Pelosi announced that the House Democrats have launched uh, an impeachment inquiry. I'm going to say inquiry. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Controversial point there. <laughs> uh, into President Trump because of the whistleblower complaint about the call with Ukraine and the fact that it did look like the Trump administration tried to cover up the call with the Ukraine. Yeah. And just to get into some of the details here, days before Trump called the president of Ukraine, the State Department with, no, was it the State Department of the Pentagon? Um, it was, well, it was his chief of staff was the one that directed it. So... Congress had voted to release these funds to help Ukraine, you know, send military aid to Ukraine. So that had already been authorized by the body who authorizes it. 
Trump's chief of staff, I think it was acting chief of staff, directed... Because everybody important oh, in yeah. the Trump administration <laughs> is acting now. It's like the DNI. Everyone is gone. This DNI who was Joseph just Joseph McGuire. He, was yeah. just, he just gave testimony He's in front of Congress. He's acting. He stepped in recently. Everybody, by default, is in this really harried position. Because he just... Like, the, it's, it's just a revolving door administration. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Best so to the best. $400 million in aid was held... A couple days before the call. By the executive office, by the Trump administration's demand. And then shortly after the call, which essentially was a quid pro quo, and legally you do not need an express like, you need to do this or else we will not do this. So you you guys can go out there and read the transcript. Yeah. And, well, uh, let's not take call it a own. transcript. It's, so a, it's a synopsis of the call. Released by the Trump administration. Released by the Trump administration that like, is basically, why? it's a summary based off of the people who had knowledge of the call. Yeah. Kind of based off their memory, which is a little sketchy. Uh, Even in that, tra- it, so I'm going to, we can memo. call it that, We'll call but, it a memo. But let's call, yeah, with the Even in the memo, there. which go out and read it yourself. Um, it's, it's pretty short, actually. It's pretty short. It's pretty easy to read. Basically, the way it goes is Trump reminds Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, that the U.S. has done a lot for their country and reminds him that the U.S. is kind of an ally who has stepped up for the Ukraine and then kind of says, oh, by the way, uh, can you can you maybe look into this yeah. uh, corruption thing? I with hear the there's something very bad going on. And also, here's the number for my personal lawyer, Giuliani, and my other pseudo personal lawyer, the attorney general of the United States, William Barr, and they'll work with you. Definitely look into Biden. Sounds horrible to me. Yeah. And then we'll see what we can do. First of all, if you need a lawyer for any reason, an injury, a divorce. Yeah. If your pharmaceutical company needs uh-huh. representation, do not call Rudy Giuliani because oh he is God. having so many public meltdowns on TV. He's the Sam Numberg of September so, 2019. I've thought this a couple times. So in my court part, we do a lot of stuff. But we are also the intake for all the guardianship cases. And there's a very broad statute called Article 81. And under that statute, basically anybody can petition to say that an adult is in need of a guardian because they are so incapacitated, they're at risk of harm. So the standard is like anybody who's concerned about their well-being has standing to petition. And I've been thinking, man, Mm. Rudy Giuliani lives in New York. I'm a little concerned about him. Should I petition for him to have a guardian? Because he seems like he's not okay. And he is certainly at risk of harming himself by implicating himself on any number of national talk shows. I think that Rudy Giuliani, like, needs a friend. Just he needs a friend who's going to pull him aside. His grandkids need to come pick him up. Yeah, Grandpa, listen. You're not allowed to go on TV anymore. Because you keep implicating yourself in very serious... Grandpa's admitting to crimes and doing weird dance moves on CNN again. Did you see that Mom, video? Grandpa's <laughs> admitting to crimes on TV again. Can you go pick him up? Can Call his go nurse. pick Dad up? Uh, yeah, the meltdown on Chris Cuomo. I thought that was going to be the worst oh, that of was it. A diff- that is actually not the one that I'm referring to. I'm referring no, to the that one was, where he's that like... was the first one. And then he just slowly started deteriorating more and more. He went on Laura Ingram's show and had mm-hmm. a meltdown. And I think started doing a... Maybe an Al Gore impression? I wasn't oh, exactly that sure. Was? I don't know. What it it was. was not good, if that's what that was. There was no he visible connection. Between started reading the two. his personal texts out loud on TV, oh, which basically and then he posted implied them on Twitter. That the member of the State Department had orchestrated the call between. He's Zelensky like, if you're a lawyer and you don't see how this is. Yeah, he's, he said, if you're a lawyer and you can understand why this exonerates yeah, me and everybody yeah, yeah. then and people I'll, were like this makes i'll sense. recommend you for bar review or something which 
You can't be on Bar Review if you're a lawyer because Bar Review is a law school. Anyways, it basically I don't know made if you should start applying logic to Rudy Giuliani text at this point. But it made everybody look bad. And then in the days following, it actually ended in the guy with whom he was texting stepping down from his position. <laughs> so it was that bad. Uh, you know, don't text Rudy Giuliani. Don't hire Rudy Giuliani as your lawyer. That's what we're Just learning this like week, Just like a heads folks, up to everyone. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and then uh, an interesting thing about the timing of all this is that the call was indisputably made the day after Mueller testified on Capitol Hill. So it's it's such recidivism on Trump's part that, oh, well, there wasn't a whole lot of backlash, immediate backlash to Mueller talking about me colluding against my political rival with one foreign country. So well, let me just try it more overtly now that I'm the actual sitting president much with like, the next one. Much like Miley Cyrus, he can't stop, he won't stop. So... Uh, you know what? Even Miley Cyrus seems to have stopped a little bit. So <laughs> She's slowing down. <laughs> She's maturing more than our sitting president. So basically, I just want to clarify this because this seems to be a general misconception. Mm. If Trump is impeached, he it oh, does yeah. not mean he's going to be removed from office. Right. The yeah, Senate will have to convict, which is likely not going to happen because the Senate is controlled by the GOP. Mm-hmm. So basically, he would be impeached in the House. It, it's much like what happened with Bill Clinton. He might an be impeached in the House. kind of an indictment. It's more yeah. like... It's like a spanking. It's like, don't do that again. Yeah. So, But it, it is like a flaw on your record. And it. I think the reason why Pelosi is doing it now is because she does want to establish a standard for future presidents, maybe one of the reasons. I think there are many reasons why she's doing it now. I think she did not want to do it now. I think she, she was extremely yeah. resident to do it now. A lot of people, and this is kind of what initiated with that letter to, was it, it was either the Washington Post or the New York Times, from 15 freshman Democrats in the House who had also been very reticent to recommend impeachment and go forward with it. They all also had some connection to national security backgrounds. Mm -hmm. They either worked in one of the national security agencies or um, had worked in foreign policy. And they all said, you know, this is the final straw. And I've heard a lot of people talk about just the fact of this issue. I think Adam Schiff put it this way, that you kind of cross a Rubicon Mm -hmm. at this point when it gets this bad. You have a responsibility, even if it's not politically wise. And that, you know, Impeachment is not a political remedy. It's a responsibility in a sense. Yeah, oversight falls to Congress. And also, yeah. the, a recent Quinnipiac poll actually noted that general support for impeachment has gone up eight points since the release of the Mueller report. So Interesting. it's up to, I think, 37% nationwide at this point. Oh, that's significant. Um, and so, so they polled people right after the release of the Mueller report. Uh-huh. And they polled people again right after the news of the Ukraine call broke. And national support had gone up eight points. That's so really That is big. Telling. Different polling says different things. Sometimes it's only three points, but Quinnipiac said eight points. That is big. When it comes down to, you know, the political side of it, more than two thirds of Democrats support impeachment. So if Nancy Pelosi is worried about her base revolting, this is actually the best thing she can do. If yeah, she's worried about lighting a fire under Republicans, personally, I don't think that this changes anything. Right. I don't think they a were Republican pretty, yeah. who was on the fence about voting for Trump, this would be the this moment the where final they, straw, yeah, this yeah. is the moment where like, you know what, I'm getting out He's there. Actually- Actually, vote, vote. Yeah. Pretty much everyone was, has picked the side they're going to be on in 2020 And there was at this certainly point. a lot of false outrage already with or without this. It's interesting that you bring up that number because one of the good things that I've seen in recent days, and as most of my Twitter history originates, it was from Kevin Cruz, who is a noted mm-hmm. historian on Twitter, great at debunking nonsense with mm-hmm. actual historical fact. He said it's good to remember as I think it is, that impeachment is almost never popular because of the political risks and that Nixon's impeachment 
which actually I'll get to the next point about that, which is a procedural point about impeachment. But approval for impeaching Nixon was at 19 percent until the week that he resigned. Mm -hmm. And even then it only got into the 20s. So, you know, he was saying don't govern in this stage by how popular it is at this stage, because honestly, everybody of the four presidents who have had an impeachment inquiry started against them. Because Nixon wasn't actually officially impeached. Uh, The inquiry was started, but it never. Yeah. And so that was kind of the next point that even if Trump is not convicted after being impeached. You know, the Senate does not vote in sure, accordance with yeah. yeah with the House. You need two-thirds of the Senate to actually convict. Well, again, it's not going to happen, folks. Well, not with the Senate. I don't think it will. Again, the investigation is not over yet. I think there are a lot of conveniently absent Republican senators from commenting on public programs and yeah. stuff like that, which is interesting. and does make me wonder if there's a little more concern than we're seeing outwardly at this point. Mm-hmm. But in any event... Um, Nixon actually resigned at this phase in the process. It was when the inquiry had started. And I believe he knew where that was going. Right. And I believe it was even before a vote was taken in the House to formally send the matter to the Senate. Um, Bill Clinton was not convicted in the Senate. Yes, he was. Because yes. he wasn't removed from office. He would have been removed. Right. Had he been convicted. So he was, he was just impeached, but he was but not convicted. Which the House, so, at, the, at that point, I believe the House uh, speaker was Newt Gingrich. It was a Republican House. Yeah, and Lindsey Graham we know said how that that, Lindsey Graham said then that it's not even about the fact of a crime being committed, it's about the appearance of impropriety and the dignity of the office. The point I'm trying to make is you don't even have to be convicted of a crime to lose your job in this constitutional republic because impeachment is about cleansing the office. Impeachment is about restoring honor and integrity to the office. <laughs> so To wrap up the whole, what if we don't get to the Senate convicting, for what it's worth, you think of Nixon, you think of Clinton, these are not people that history smiles upon as presidents. Most people remember them as being, I mean, failed, impeached presidents. Yeah. Most people think that Nixon was impeached, even though he was not. The inquiry was open, but he was not actually formally impeached. So in terms of like, well, this will be unsuccessful and it won't have any effect on Trump or his legacy if it doesn't get to X stage. I think it's the blight has untrue. already, you know, started to be marked. Um, Speaking of our friend Lindsey Graham and Republican senators and, and representatives who have not been speaking. messy and hypocritical. Uh, he has been on some talk shows of late saying that the complaint is hearsay. Mackenzie, can you explain why that is absolutely ridiculous? Okay, hearsay. So setting aside the fact that Clinton's inquiry relied heavily on hearsay because Linda Tripp, and you might be able to flesh this out more given your expertise on Monica Lewinsky, that was a big basis for all of this, and she was all hearsay. At first, it was mostly hearsay. That's actually why Ken Starr and his team wanted to get Monica Lewinsky on the record. Mm-hmm. But it did start with with here with tech, I mean, not not actual technical hearsay because that doesn't make any sense. But it did start with her. Wasn't it? I mean, it was her saying that this had happened, and then there were recordings, and then they started getting into meetings with Monica Lewinsky. So but actually, it did with- hearsay. So hearsay is any out of court statement made by an out of court speaker offered for the truth of the matter asserted. And that's kind of a messy thing, but it's like, if the comment is from a person standing on a boat and you can hear the ocean and they say, I did it, and you're offering it to prove that they did it, that's not okay. If you're offering it to prove that they're on a boat, that's not the truth of the matter asserted. You're just offering it so you can hear the wave sounds, if that makes sense. So it has to be offered to prove the substance of the statement for it to be inadmissible. 
that doesn't necessarily have any bearing here, but still hearsay. Even though it's like, oh, well, we have proof. It's still an out-of-court statement offered for the truth of the matter. But, yeah, so the inquiry started with mostly... Linda Tripp's yeah. account, yeah. which is yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're, which is what you're saying. That aside, um, so hearsay is admissible number one in impeachment hearings. Number two, there's an exception to hearsay, which means that it is admissible even in traditional evidentiary rules in a federal court, and it's admission by party opponent. So here, <laughs> in this situation, the party opponent would be Trump who released a memo that that is a transcript, pseudo transcript, his admission of the content of the hearsay. So, no, Which corroborated sorry. the original yeah. whistleblower complaint. Yeah, so sorry, bye. Also, I feel like whistleblower in general, there would be no purpose to having whistleblower complaints and protections if they were vulnerable to hearsay invalidating them being considered. Uh, there's also something called the public records exception if it's records kept in the regular course of business. There are all sorts of exceptions, and then there's a catch-all exception that's like any other purpose furthering justice. So, mm-hmm. no. And again, this is just <laughs> this is just a, the opening of the inquiry. Yeah. So we're we not in any formal proceeding right now. We don't know what what else is going to come out. That's the point of the inquiry. It's we're it's, exploring. it's pushing it off. This and is I think basically that, discovery phase exactly. of a case. And I think yeah. that people going on and you know national tv and saying it's hearsay while completely ignoring the transcript yeah memo thing is ridiculous yeah and there's also a concept of opening the door and so if somebody if trump as a pseudo party to this adversarial proceeding opens the door to a topic now you have introduced this you've waived any complaints about admissibility so you can't open the door to something and then say but you can't bring it up There are all sorts of reasons that Lindsey Graham knows bleeping better than to do this. (laughs) Nice self-censorship. I like it. Thank you. (laughs) The children are listening. But yeah, that's a BS excuse. And it's one of the many terrible takes that Mm -hmm. we will air today. Uh, So something else that has been really making me substantially more angry than I need to be and raise my blood pressure more than it needs to be. Uh, So today is September 29th. Recently, there was the UN General Assembly, and one of the guests there was Greta Thunberg, Mm -hmm. as she says it. Um, Greta Thunberg, she is a 17-year-old climate activist from Sweden. She was invited to speak, and she gave a very passionate speech about climate change, and it got a lot of attention. She as also has anything, Asperger's syndrome. Yes, yeah. so she She's has Asperger's syndrome. Spectrum. It got a lot of attention as anything she says or does uh, oh tends to attract. And one thing that I've been noticing is whenever Greta opens her mouth, a wave of extremely triggered grown men <laughs> starts tweeting the most batshit crazy opinions I've ever seen. Livid, there angry. Is it's just like a something storm about of her snowflakes that makes them so mad, and they attack her in the most vicious, unseemly, disgusting ways. It's been this outpouring of rage, and it's something oh, that yeah. we saw with AOC, Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. It's something we saw with Megan Rapinoe, the soccer star. Mm-hmm. Often, it's reserved for women who voice opinions that young women, I would say, young too, women. Pointedly. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I think it happens with women of all ages, but especially think, yeah. younger women but who the real vitriol of. I think it's something about ugh. knowing that you can't speak on or fulfill a sexual feeling towards them ever. I think that with AOC, there's no way she would ever want to get with people who are saying that. Yeah, I there's think a weird with, obsession with AOC where it's, it's the way that they I attack it is her is 
it's especially after it's the, so do you remember the, the dance video yes, that came out that of her like, like dancing at her university see young woman who just you hate her for not being just that and not being attainable it's the fact that she is pretty and she's not spewing their own opinions she's not there back for at you them. because if you look at a lot of and Megan really, Rapino too she's yeah. hot but she's gay and, and she's, she's liberal. saying things they don't like yeah and it's so just, it's I, and with Greta Thunberg, um, I gave it a shot once. Um, <laughs> I know Thunberg is how the, I think it's like the, the American Thunberg. pronunciation, but I've heard a lot of people say Thunberg as well. Yeah. I think it's fine. Um, but I think that there's also the anger and confusion that you cannot insult her looks or talk about her in an objectifying way in the same way because she is a minor. And so it's like this anger and confusion, like young woman who I can't sexualize and I really hate her and she i can't feel these things i and that's not primary but i do think that there's a weird subtext to all these angers that it's like i can't have i cannot I possess t- this woman i did see a tweet from uh, a former breitbart writer that was like he tweeted out a a gif of her like the one that was she was like staring down the president oh, that was such did. a great great camera work too yeah and he said it seems like she needs a spanking and i was like oh dude she's 17 that is exactly the kind of weird subtext uh, that i'm talking about obviously he meant it as like she should have been disciplined as a kid but the way it came across is it's this aggression towards women yeah and it's like pseudo-sexual aggression and physical aggression read the that's the thing all with all these takes i'm like read the room what is your problem if you want they're in such a weird room that you know it's getting to be. <laughs> it's getting to be a really frame. You can't read room. the room if everyone else in the room with you is crazy. He's creepy as hell. I'm not. Yeah. You're not, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Yeah. Get in a room full of normal people and then read it. Well, it, what I saw, I started noticing this really early on. She made people so angry, and then at first it was. I don't want to listen to this, you know, 16-year-old girl. What does she know? This, this is last year. So, actually, I'll give a little background yeah, on She's on been around Greta for first. a while, yeah. And in 2018, she started doing a, a climate strike every Friday where she would take off from school and she would do a strike. It was just her. Uh, she said that she first started learning about climate change when she was 11, and it really bothered her that people didn't seem to be doing anything about it. And she got really depressed for a while, um, eventually was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and OCD and uh, selective mutism. Basically, she got micro-focused on this issue, and it upset her that she didn't see the adults around her taking it very seriously. So she started doing this school strike for climate uh, in Sweden, and then as the movement started to grow, uh, other people started to join her, and people started realizing that she has a lot of interesting things to say about this, and it's a different point of view. We often hear uh, we often hear this from older people, and to see it from someone who it's a future it's going to affect. Yeah. Um. It it almost became more poignant when it came from her. Well, yeah, because um, I think when it's when it's politicians, it's obviously unrelatable to a lot of people in the same way that every politician's statement is going to be. Yeah. When it's scientists, I think there's the comprehension gap sometimes mm. because they're speaking in such unrelatable terms yeah. or futuristic terms as in what is this it's more hypothetical be? versus yeah or like mechanical but for her it's both human and relatable and somebody who is invested in a different way than because older people because yeah, she will be yeah. theoretically alive for longer and so, something i've heard a lot is people you know shouting i'm not going to listen to the 16 year old girl and what i would say to that is you didn't listen to climate experts either you're not yeah. listening to scientists you're not listening to the smartest people in the room nor are party leaders so fine very disingenuous to me for people to say 
I don't want to listen to it coming from this very angry, she's now 17, 17 year old girl, when the truth of the matter is they never wanted to listen to anyone. Right. It's disingenuous in a number of ways. (laughs) She has the misfortune and the benefit of being a member of a number of demographics that put you in this weird camp that you cannot do anything to make yourself be taken seriously because you are so inherently written off. But then people don't actually discount you as immature or unworthy enough to not insult you. So it's like you're worthy of hatred and criticism, but you're not worthy of being taken seriously. So you live in this limbo that you'll never actually be listened to, but they take you seriously enough to insult you. And I think that's Mm -hmm. true of people with disabilities or mental illness. I think it's true of young people, and I think it's true of women. Mm. And so she hits all of those markers. And I am somebody who's also been diagnosed with Asperger's, and it was another case where I was an older young woman, Mm -hmm. and it's, maybe I'll get into it in a later episode about how it presents differently in women and men, and that a lot of it is socialization. And as we know, it's a spectrum, and a lot of times I'm damned by my functionality. And so it, a lot of people are saying like, oh, she's being exploited because she's disabled. Yeah. As if she could not have her own agency. And what was interesting to me is that the arguments changed. At first, mm-hmm. it was all out emotional, you know, Pity. I'm not I, I'm not going to take this girl seriously because she's 16. And then people were making fun of the way she talked and people were making fun of her hair and uh, people were making fun of her looks. A and, teenager in her second language. Yeah. Making and and passion speeches you, every day. And then it was it was all out mockery. And then when they saw that that wasn't working, because right. people were just like, you can... You're a monster. Yeah, you can go sit down. We're yeah. not listening to you. People came to her defense. Then it turned into the, this Aww. this girl's being abused. This is child abuse. She shouldn't be thinking about this right now. She should be in school. And it became, this is child exploitation. Right. And to me... An exploitation of a mentally ill girl. Yeah, it was uh, Michael Knowles, who was a writer for Daily Wire, went on, I think it was Fox News that I could be wrong, and said in the most disgusted tone she's a mentally ill swedish girl and it was like you could tell that like if he had said it in a different way almost it would have been like there he could have almost feigned concern but he said it with such anger in his voice and it was just the the person who's on with him was like you can what are you you can take that back and meet right now if you'd like do you because want to yeah, do you really yeah. want to say that do you right want now us to edit this out? and i think that there is this people hate the fact that she is so n- not apologetic about how right. angry she is right and, and not apologetic about it's a female thing the too. fact that Absolutely. she is has a has a platform and i think that even if you even if you disagree with her message there's a way to say you know i, I don't agree with her argument i don't think that there's you know, i don't believe in like human class, whatever it's getting harder and harder to come up with examples i know i'm like i'm <laughs> trying to like benji there's becker no evidence of this who is actually, he's a conservative climate activist. He believes in human-made climate change. He was actually at one of the one of the congressional hearings with Greta, mm-hmm. and he works for ACC. He agrees on human-made climate change and just disagrees with some of the policy proposals that mm. other people have offered. But he went on Twitter and said, I've met Greta. She's a wonderful human. She, I disagree with some of her policies, but there's no reason for people to be attacking her like this. Right. If you want to do it, do it like that. Like, do it with some class. Sure. That, and that do it actually with kindness. is the most substantive way to address somebody's mm-hmm. arguments is to say, I disagree with the substance of her policy. Because, but then he right he followed that right up with, she should not be attacked. Yeah, like let's this. not do the ad hominem stuff. And the weird thing is, I think it's born out of a frustration that they can't say, they quote unquote can't. It's like everybody's saying that 
they feel so censored and attacked when in reality this has just been an, an opening of the door to say all the things yeah, that are anti-mental illness, anti-woman. They're using her as a, as a human shield so we can't criticize her because she's a child and so they're using her. No, you can. Just do it with some class. Just, yeah. You can, you can say, I don't agree with her. Yeah. But do it in a way that's not don't inhumane. use it for demographic reasons. And I think I had texted you this. There are so many good and bad takes about this, but that the people mocking her and using the fact that she was impassioned which again you know we've seen it so many times but women not being allowed to be emotional and also not being taken seriously if they're not impassioned or forceful but if you show any emotion you're emotional yeah if you don't you're You're cold yeah and frigid So so there's no winning but the people who were so disgusted or found it laughable that she was impassioned in her very well delivered speech to the general assembly were the same ones saying that brett kavanaugh losing his cool when talking about calendars and beer and insulting a victim of sexual assault at the very least if not somebody who he had assaulted and, you know, that inter- was understandable. Interviewing for a job, that was because he was just so wronged. Yeah. And so that was acceptable. I will say this I disagree with kids being brought into politics if they are too young to understand complex issues. Sure. I don't like people bringing their toddlers to marches. I don't like people having their toddlers hold signs that they have no idea what they're saying and taking photos of it and putting it on Facebook. I don't like it when people try to indoctrinate their kids with something that they don't understand. It's, I feel like the same way, like, it, when it becomes kind of a religious thing where you're you're basically telling your kid how to think yeah. instead of saying, this is what I believe and you're welcome to explore this if you'd like. Yeah. I don't like that. But she started doing this when she was 16. I think that there's a certain point where if you're old enough to understand complex ideas and you're old enough to articulate that sure. in a way that's that I, I feel like you are doing it of your own volition, that's different. And that she clearly, you know, she can extemporaneously explain these things. She can respond to questions. This is not somebody who's being fed lines. And she understands it on a, at a nuanced level. On a more nuanced level often than her interlocutors, like than the people who are talking with her. So, and I do think the only qualifier I would put on your distinction with exploitation is that I do think exposing children to... Um, nuances of policy and issues and the political process is not bad. Exposing say, is different than yeah, but like, put, going like giving a them march. a sign. It, yeah, I think like okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll when you're a baby, a I don't know that you know the damage of that is so negligible in terms of okay, there's a photo of you holding a sign as an infant. I think don't do it yourself if you don't like it, but I don't know that that is damaging. Yeah, I would say personally, and maybe like taking your kids to see a march and like see like, you know, democracy in action or explaining your own beliefs to them and explaining the process. That is different to me than, you know, putting words in their mouth or, but that, but that, I think that happens at a different, like at a different stage. Again, if you, if you show that you you can comprehend these issues, that's different. Yeah. And I would say, Obviously, I'm biased on the issue because my parents kept me very involved from a young age. I was eight in the 2000 election and went to watch debates. Mm -hmm. I was allowed to stay up and watch the returns come in. My dad made me a map of the Electoral College and we colored in. And that's education, right? That's education, that's exposure. It was investment in the political process. And I think every parent is going to insert their own bias to some extent Mm -hmm. when they're talking about issues with you. But 
Oh, for sure. I, you know, there's no way to avoid that. I yeah, think. but, but I think even at eight, I understood things in a way that developed, and you know, we watched all the President's Men and Wag the Dog and all these nuanced political satire yeah. movies that I probably didn't understand, but <laughs> now yeah. I think they're funny. But I think that between that and sixteen, seventeen. That's that's the age yeah. that a lot of people go to college. That's mm-hmm. the age they take the SAT. These aren't warpable minds in yeah. the way people are making them out. And to at be. sixteen, I was so frustrated when people didn't take me seriously or my opinion seriously. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people who may have been a little bit more precocious or whatever understand. Yes. Yeah, where you and you're written off immediately, even if you know better than the people who are writing you off. Yeah, exactly. Nobody actually is protecting her in a way that's effective. It's all just like this faux you know crocodile tears like mm-hmm. oh poor thing just for the sake of debunking her opinion and it's it's an amplified version of the stuff that girls like her will get from their peers forever i mean i i relate so much to her and i can't imagine having the confidence being somebody like that to get to where she is yeah the amount of maturity and be able to brush and off composure. The, yeah the, be able oh to brush God. off criticism because i would not have been like, able to at, at don't 17. Don't worry, she's coping pretty well if she's gotten I, I to I asked she my is. cousin about this because my cousin admittedly is a year older, but she also, she is physically disabled rather than neurologically. But as another young woman who cares about her world, I wanted to get her take. And she said, anybody who's discrediting her for any reason needs to examine what they're doing to prevent climate change before opening their mouths. We have plenty of male, senior, non-disabled politicians in office, and that's not really working out for us, is it? Why not listen to a young female disabled voice? And anyway, it's nice Trump thinks she's looking for a bright future, with the eye roll emoji, (laughs) But what he doesn't realize is that what we're all really looking forward to is seeing precautions taken against climate change, and that won't happen until he's voted out. And then she echoed thinking that, you know, any concern about her quote-unquote exploitation is basically just assuming that there's no way she could have the agency to have those opinions Mm -hmm. on her own. So, all right, we love you, Nora. Can I say your name? Yeah. Okay, we love you, Nora. Thank you for sending your thoughts, and we appreciate you. Yeah, so, you know, these are not damsels, babies who need you're coddling and if that honestly were a concern wouldn't that foreclose then shitting on her in a on a public and that's what bothers me punching down the same people who voice concern over her exploitation will take because she's a vulnerable child i've seen yeah i've seen so many of the same people who voice concern over her exploitation not all but i've seen many of them take cheap shots Mm -hmm. at her before it's what it flips from yeah, it flipped from that's a reason making fun de- of her hair debunking. to yeah. oh, this child is being you know is being exploited, and it's like, what? Like you're you are part of the problem. You're right. you're the one who's looking at her and and making fun of the, her her the way her clothes and the way she or speaks the way and- she talks. Which, by the way, your president. Oh my God! How is it that when it's it's her second language, a second language teenager who also gives ninety speeches a day has a neurological disability that sometimes apparently she has selective mutism mutism also and yet you're theoretically not impaired at all adult male english-speaking president well when he does it it's just anti-elitist it's just populist exactly what the hell okay so apparently he went to wharton the taker of the crown for bad takes from dudes on twitter Mm. on this subject speaking of (laughs) which is a really really tough it was a tough category to break out of yeah um it was a tight race in this one but i'm gonna say that my vote for finalist goes to dinesh d'souza who 
took a photo of her in braids and a Nazi propaganda photo of a young woman in braids and essentially said, the left is always uses images of Nordic girls with braids and they're just acting like the left of the past. Which, side note, let's debunk the idea that Nazis, even though socialist, like it's Nazional Socialista, that is not an indication that they were actually leftist in a practical and effective way. It's kind of, to me, like People's Republic of China or Democratic Republic of the Congo. It's an indicate. it's like a false flag to make people think, but anyways, that absurdity aside. So that, that's your nomination? That's my, yeah. So, I'm gonna say this. In the okay. bad takes department, Dinesh is hard to beat. Yeah, he's but, always uh, a, a winner in every category. I got you, girl. Okay. I, I can one-up you. Hit me. This is from a Justin Murphy on Twitter. His bio says, political scientist interested in media technology, oh, ideology, boy. and behavior. <laughs> Libertarian communist Catholic. No idea what that means. That doesn't make... He's got 12,000 followers, so admittedly not How as big as How can you be communist? Don't ask questions at this point, girl. You just got to roll past it. <laughs> His tweet... And this is... I don't even know what to, how to preface this, but his tweet was not even being provocative, mm. which is like starting That's a sentence with not to be racist, not to be. I don't want to offend, but yeah. not even being provocative. But if you think Greta Thunberg has the maturity to guide global policymaking, then you can't object to Jeffrey Epstein paying 16 year olds for sex. We're just going to let that sit. For okay. Uh, okay, first of all, if we're talking about maturity as a predicate to global policymaking, she's not a policymaker, and the ones who, like Nora said, the ones who are in power are not doing so hot a job and don't have the maturity themselves. So I'm just gonna say this: um, I don't think we have, I don't think we gotta like debunk this one. It just stands well, alone as a terrible. It. So I'm just gonna say the, the the best response that I saw to this, I can't find it, but oh, here we go. It's James Felton said. If children are old enough to want the planet not to die, then you can't object to them being sexually abused. Yeah. <laughs> Could you? Yeah. Not have saved us a lot of trouble and sent this directly to the down squad section of the police. Honestly, yeah. Uh, like somebody call the FBI. Like what is going on? So one overtly harms you in a potentially permanent way. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that uh, a 16 year old it's, it's basically saying like so this 16 year old can have opinions but like they can't legally consent like what is that but they can be raped what uh so that's just that was just our uh bad opinions from men well, on the internet what? corner i'm gonna raise him one and say if she thinks she's mature enough to make global policy then i think she is old enough to get murdered so you know as someone who identifies as libertarian a lot of my policies my biggest pet peeve with libertarians is when like when you're talking suck. to a libertarian and then suddenly they're like anyway age of consent laws and you're like no no, no craig shut please up please don't sit down craig don't even make this a hill let alone die on it that's as how soon i feel they say that, i'm like no that's how i feel about being an atheist because so many atheists it's the same it's like no stop 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 opening you're making it worse you're being terrible um anyways you're, you're reflecting poorly on all of us right now we just don't feel you. bad about being this we should just move on really quickly. So one thing that is not wholly political, but uh, I definitely wanted to discuss it because it came up this week, and I think both of us wanted to discuss mm -hmm. the fact of misconceptions. Jonathan Van Ness, who is one of the stars of Queer Eye on Netflix, which is an extremely wholesome and positive show, and I encourage you to go watch it. I started watching it thinking that I might watch an episode and then get bored, and I watched an entire season in one night and cried. 
throughout. I think it's bridged some demographic gaps too because oh, like absolutely. my uncle enjoys it. A lot of straight men I know really like it and weirdly, maybe not weirdly, maybe I'm not giving enough credit, but don't feel weird about it. Maybe because their demographic is represented sometimes. Well, I also and think, I think the, the sensitivity that straight men have previously felt about watching like gay culture like that is changing yeah. i think most people are more secure in their masculinity and aren't gonna like freak out with, yeah, because they're seeing is... a dude wear heels on tv right right i would hope but i think a lot of i think a lot of men are just like yeah whatever. i think so and i think this is a, a useful step further in that direction to further the um heel wearing pun but uh i know that there are some a criticisms step in louboutins closer oh yeah i know that there are some criticisms out there about um like my friend paul has talked about how he doesn't love that some of the casting is in line with stereotypes that you know it's the femme one doing hair mm. and it's the black one being the kind of like advice giver mm. um so i do get that I, I don't think that it undercuts the legitimacy of any of those individuals as people or the fact that they yeah. fill those roles well or the fact that it the largest impact it has is a positive one yeah but in any event jonathan van ness just came out last week with a number of revelations one of them side note endorsed elizabeth warren he also came out as being hiv positive and he talked about previous sexual abuse he had experienced as a as a kid and then mm-hmm. later on how he went into survival sex work and and then yeah and then the kind of the main thing was him talking about uh, being HIV HIV positive and, and living with that yeah yeah and I, I think Mackenzie you can speak to the statistics a little bit more yeah so this is something that I mostly wanted to talk about because just to give some backstory on why I had texted my mom because our whole family has gotten really into the show together it's been a nice thing again that bridges generational and demographic gaps and my uncle died of AIDS in the late 80s. He lived in New York and was big into the designing and music and art scene. And so I texted my mom, oh, Jonathan Van Ness is HIV positive. And she's like, oh God, that is so sad. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to hear that. Does Nora know? Because she really likes them. And I was like, mommy, this isn't a death sentence anymore. Yeah. And I... I think it's important for a lot of us to know so that we start to end the stigma that a lot Mm -hmm. of these people still suffer. I think it's in a weird limbo place, HIV, AIDS, and both of them as separate entities, that we've gotten so far in terms of LGBTQIA, et cetera, acceptance as a country, but there's still such fear and stigma that goes with the virus Yeah, because of where it started. Because for almost three decades it was an incredibly scary diagnosis and it was poorly dealt with by policymakers and politicians and people who had power over maybe alleviating the threat whether it be through research or prevention and that made it actively worse yeah at the same time you know people didn't know how it was transmitted my mom was a young woman working in healthcare at the time and she remembers if you touch somebody do we know how this is transmitted and they didn't at the time so it's bloodborne, of course. Yeah. Um, now we know that. And other bodily fluids, but not saliva, unless mm-hmm. there is some, you know, open wound mm-hmm. or something like that. But they didn't know that then. So thinking, like, am I going to die if phantom. I care for this it patient? Was, yeah, yeah, they had no idea. There, there was so, there was a, because no money was being put into yeah. research. Reagan was president when this was happening, and he did not speak the word AIDS. 
And it was or gay men's health crisis striking fear into the community at an unspeak in an unspeakable way. Yeah, it was it was horrifying. A yeah. yeah. So, um, in any event, I feel like it is worth saying, you know, where we are now in terms of HIV and AIDS and the impact that they have on each other. So this is for somebody who is not on any preventative protection. Unprotected sex with serodiscordant, which means one member of the couple is HIV positive, one is negative. Uh, heterosexual or vaginal sex is less than 1% risk of transmission per sex act. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Less than 0.1% transmission risk per sex act. Anal sex, it is 1% to 2%, depending on whether you're top, bottom, circumcised, mm-hmm. heterosexual, homosexual. That's where the variation comes. Circumcision, which I know I've yelled about before, the World Health Organization places the reduction in heterosex transmission risk at around 70%. A more recent Australian study placed it at around 80% reduction, which for comparison, condom use, also 80% reduction Mm. in transmission. So that's telling. With antiretroviral therapy, mom who's HIV positive has less than 2% chance of transmitting it to a baby with whom she's pregnant. Just to convey that this is no longer a death sentence and it's no longer guaranteed to turn into AIDS, the life expectancy of somebody living with HIV who maintains it and stays consistent with their health care, has a life expectancy close to that of the general population, mm-hmm. so no massive shift in how long you live, and only 0.32% of deaths were from AIDS-related causes in 2004. So if you're an HIV person in 2004, so this is going back even further, there was only a 0.32% chance that your cause of death would be something related to AIDS, yeah. which is less than one percent and there are medications like prep that Mm -hmm. can be taken if one of you is hiv hiv positive and one of you is not there's prep Um, and pep one is preventative one is uh retroactive yeah basically the science has come a long way in this area it's not a death sentence i think the stigma around it has fallen a lot within the lgbtq community and it within the general population general population is tough because i used to work at the center for hiv law and policy and there are laws in the books in most states still that criminalize sex acts with HIV if somebody so much as says you didn't do something right. And when you look at the chance of any risk befalling these people, like serodiscordant Mm -hmm. partners, it really becomes a big criminal justice hole. We had a, a guy when I was working there who, he was a college student, he says he disclosed, he had no detectable viral load, which means virtually 0% chance of transmitting. Yeah. Um, met a guy on an app, had sex with him, and then ended up serving a 40-year sentence, even though the guy did not test positive. Because That's insane. The, yeah, the guy said, oh, well, he didn't tell me. Obviously, it was a he said, he said in that scenario, yeah. but this guy, he was a college student, and I think he ended up winning an appeal, luckily. Yeah. But And those laws need to be changed. They're anti-gay, one of they're the, yeah, one anti-low-income, anti-sex worker... Yeah, and actually, we should probably deep dive into the states that still have those laws and what efforts need to be put in place to get yeah. those laws changed. We just wanted to wrap up that conversation. Yeah, and just make sure people know that. Blessings to you, JVN. And also... Keep living it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You can follow Mackenzie Aww. at getme2anunnery on Twitter and mkzjbrennan on Instagram. And you can follow Brooke at BKE Rogers on Twitter and Brooke Angeline on Instagram. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you for listening. Love send you, uh, us stay- messages. Send us memes. Send us love. 
Um, yeah, and send us weird, sur- like surrealistic butt art. If you um, have any surrealistic butt art, you know oh, what? Yeah, we want to see it. Always soliciting that. And uh, stay tuned with this impeachment nonsense. I'm sure it will develop. have evolved by the time you hear this. So Much uh, like my mental health, it will develop. Yeah. All right, folks. <laughs> All right. Bye, Bye, baby. Bye. Bye. Bye.